been declared that you are the Lord. You've been given the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Father God, we, we submit ourselves to the Lordship of that name, and we ask that you come and take your place in our lives. Let your name be glorified. Let every name bow to your name. Every activity bow to your name. Let Jesus be glorified in every area of our lives. We give you praise, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Amen. Thank you. Please take your seats. We praise God for that name. I am going to be speaking on the subject of offense, and the topic is offense is a blind spot. Um, if you recall in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus uh, mentioned about how offense is inevitable. He said it is impossible for there, for there not to be offense. So offense is something that we cannot avoid. It's, it's like the air that we breathe. It's, it's, it's a part of life. And, um, but at the same time, he did say that woe to him through whom offense comes. So although it's something we cannot avoid, we still don't want to be the cause for offense. And uh, this afternoon, I'm going to be looking at how offense is actually a blind spot and what we can do about it. Uh, offense in itself is, is a problem of sight. It's, that it, that, that's the aspect of the offense that I'm going to be looking at this afternoon. It's about what, what do we see? How do, what, what we see is what, what we see the right thing. Are we seeing correctly? Are we being, uh, are we being guided correctly? Um, so, as we look at this, I want to remind us of uh, the experience of Isaiah, in, if you look at the, uh, the book of Isaiah, the first five chapters, Isaiah took it upon himself to bring all kinds of woes upon different nations um, and was just condemning them and bringing the, 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 the judgment of God, as it were, upon them and pointing out to them the various things they had done which uh, w was wrong and, and was kind of railing, <laughs> railing upon them the condemnation. You know, it took judge, judgment of God upon, for, for calling for repentance and calling on the proud to repent, calling on Judah uh, and calling on, uh, on, on, on Jerusalem and, and various nations until he himself now got a vision in the temple and the light of God shone on him. If you look in chapter 6, he, he, he was in the temple and then the light of God shone on him and, and then he who had been the one pointing as it were at the accusing finger and, and pointing out the wrongs of other people the light shone on him, and he saw himself as he really was, as, as a sinner, 
that, and, as, and having unclean lips and, and living among people who were also unclean. So he now realized that actually all the things he'd been saying about the other people, he himself was guilty of them. And he was brought into a place where he had to uh, repent and ask that God would purify him. So we can see really that, you know, all the things that he was talking about it was because he had not looked at himself. Not that those things were wrong, but that the way, maybe the way in which he would have said it would have been different. So in the same way, when we, when we get offended uh, about what somebody has done to us or about uh, what we believe somebody should have done or shouldn't have done, very often it has to do with the way we have looked at it. And we can be blinded in, in the way we handle situations because of offense. And Jesus rightly warned that we needed to be careful because woe to him through whom offense comes and, and woe to him who falls because offense is there to, to kind of put us on our guard. Offense is taken from the, the Greek word, skandalon, which means, which means a whole lot of things, but among which is the word trap, um, uh, uh, scandal, and the word scandal comes from it as well. And, it's, it, 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 and when you think in terms of uh, a trap, I don't know if any of you uh, has ever been in, into uh, farming, uh, talk, talk about farming, uh, you know, wild, wild, or hunting wild beasts, I would say. If you grew up in Africa the way I did, uh, you, would, you would have had the opportunity to see uh, farmers laying traps for bushmeat. And um, they would usually hide it, uh, they would usually hide the trap where the, the, the animal they're trying to catch cannot see it. And, but at the same time, they would put uh, openly uh, something that would attract the animal. Even if you've never been in a farm, you've never been in a bush before, uh, you're not Australian because I see Daniel nodding there, you know. But you, you would at least have seen Tom and Jerry on television. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the cheese that, um, it, it, is it Tom that puts there, the Tom puts there in the hope of attracting Jerry to come and, 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 and you know, it's a bait, as it were. That, that cheese is a bait for him to come, hoping that he would not see the trap. And then when he comes, the, trying to get the cheese, the, the, the trap will snap and hold him in bondage. Which is, that's actually what happens when, we, we, when the enemy tries to trap us through an offense we, 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 there is a, the bait that he brings along is that offense. And then before we know it, we, are, we become a prisoner. So uh, I want to go through a whole series of, of things that can bring offense and that, that would blind us for which we need to be wary so that our lives can really be honoring to God. Because, um, you see, if we allow offense to take... Uh, position in our lives, it has very, very grave consequences, and, uh, it, and as we see later, we shall see later, we will see how it can actually detract from God's perfect will for us, 
and it, 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 we can see how it can even lead to the total abandonment of God's vision and, and, and the loss of one's heritage. But let's look at the, the ways, the different ways in which offense can, can come to us. First of all, it can come through pride. Sometimes, you know, you, when, when we do not want to admit that, you know, we have been hurt, you don't want somebody to see that you're vulnerable. You don't want, want to tell them, you don't want to tell people to know that you care, you know, or, or sometimes you're too proud to forgive a, an offense, somebody that has offended you. you. You bottle that on the inside of you, and that, that kind of blinds you to, to, to the good points of the person that you're dealing with. Reminds me of, of Kate, I forget what her name is, on television, you know, who would say, you know, somebody does something to him, that, to her, that she really should have been offended about and should voice out her displeasure. But she goes, am I bothered? Am I bothered? Am I bothered? You know. But of course she is bothered, <laughs> you know. And, and it, it is important for us to, to acknowledge when our feelings have been hurt. I don't think there is any, any, any uh, trophy to be won for, for, for not being hurt, because we are human. You know, it's important to, for us to acknowledge that it's what we do with it later on that matters. You know, those of you who had gone through uh, the, the, the teachings in living free, handling your emotions, being hurt in itself is not a problem. It's not, it's not, it's not a, a, a sin. It's not a failure. It is what you do with your hurt. Do you, because of that hurt now, stop speaking to the person who hurt you? Do you, or, or, or do you stop avoiding, do you, do you start avoiding them and you don't have anything to do with them because you've been hurt? Or do you start ignoring them? Or do you own your hurt and actually bring it into the open and say, actually, what you said there hurt me? And give the other party the opportunity to, to, to explain what they were trying to say. Sometimes they may not have even meant to hurt you. They may, not, they, they may have even meant something else altogether. You may have misunderstood them. But if we're too proud to acknowledge that we're hurt, then, of course, we, we, we get blinded. And then, you know, we, we begin to deceive ourselves. We're, we're not deceiving anybody. We're deceiving ourselves. And, and then, before you know it, you, 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 you get into that trap where... Because somebody, because somebody goes to a particular, sits in a particular side of the church, you can find that you can no longer sit on that side of the church because the person who went to the last time sits on that side of the church. Or in fact, you can't go to that service because you run the risk of, of meeting them at that service. And you are trapped, you're, you're limited in what God, God, God is, is doing. One other way that in which we can be, uh, we can be blinded by, by offense is when God is dealing with us. Sometimes God is, is trying to discipline us. God is trying to bring a refining in our lives. And he may bring somebody alongside you who rubs you the wrong way. You know when, you know when the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron? <laughs> you know, all those rough edges about us. There will be somebody who would, who would be either asking the, the wrong kind of questions as far as you are concerned, 
or, 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 or the, the way in which they, they behave towards you or the demands they make upon you, they, they, they just becomes just too much. And actually, it may be God's way of, 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 of putting fire underneath you to refine you so that you can be, you can be, you can be able to express his love in a better way. You know, I usually say that the only place, the, the, the one place where we have the opportunity to live out the gospel is within marriage, to live it fully. You know, of course you can live it fully, and you can live it fully also within your family. But husbands and wives, God bless them, you know, they have to be with each other 24 hours of the day, and, uh, you know, do to your, do to your neighbor what God, what, um, what you want your neighbor to do to you, you have the opportunity of practicing that. And you have the opportunity of forgiving them seven times seven, and, and even more than seven times seven, 70 times seven times, because they would do the wrong thing that you told them not to do. You told them not, not to squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, and they still squeeze the toothpaste in the middle. And you, you told them to put their, to put their socks in the, in, the, in, the, in the wash basket, and they would leave them scattered all over the place. Whatever it is that, you know, your spouse does or doesn't do, you know, you have the opportunity of displaying love at all times. You know, we are expected to be able to show love to each other no matter what, whether, whether somebody has done something that pleases or doesn't please us, we're still supposed to show love towards them. And, and sometimes God will bring alongside us, particularly with the vision of the cell. You know, before we had cells, you, you know, it is possible for us to come to church, see each other, smile very nicely, and you can go away and have the impression, oh, Kemi is a very nice person. But if you have to be with me in the cell, you know, week in, week out, and you come to know my, my, my foibles and my, the things that I, I insist upon and the things I don't insist upon and what I like and what I don't like, you might begin to think, oh, Kemi is a pain, you know. And so we, we begin to see situations where God puts us where the things become uncomfortable. And we have to put up with the behavior of our brother or with our sister, they may be making unnecessary demands upon us. They may be calling you every day. I remember somebody complaining about a member of her cell that would call at any time of the day and night because of the need that they had in their life and they'd be, they'd be wanting something, they'd be wanting something. And instead of looking at, that, at, at, the, at the demands that that person is placing upon you, it's the opportunity to go back to God and to say, God, why are you allowing this situation? What am I supposed to do? It is opportunity for us to extend more love towards the, the people that God has put alongside us. And it, it could be a trying situation at work. It could be somebody that's just picked on you and unjustifiably makes your life difficult. And instead of reacting against what has happened to you, it's the opportunity to see, to see the hand of God in that situation. And instead of focusing on the person that has caused you the offense or even focusing on the situation, God wants us to rise above and to see what is God doing in this situation. Uh, I, 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 remind, I want to remind us of um, the story of Joseph in, um, 
in Genesis chapter 37. You remember that Joseph was, you know, when you get born in a family, you don't decide what, you, what you're going to be like. You don't decide whether you're going to be the most brilliant. You don't decide whether you're going to be, you know, you're going to be the one who's always scoring all the high points. You don't decide that your the dad is going to be, to be liking you especially. You, you, just, you just happen to be in the family. And here was, I would say, poor Joseph found himself being a favorite of his dad. Let's not talk about the dad having favorites. That's another story. But, but he just finds himself that he is a, is a favorite. And then he has dreams. How many of us know that you don't decide what dream you dream? <laughs> the dreams just come. So he, he had dreams, and he shared the dreams with, with his brothers. And they didn't like him for it. He shared the dream with, he had another dream, shared it with his dad. His dad even uh, he scolded him for having the dream. And he was sitting down minding you know, his own business. He didn't ask to have those dreams. He didn't ask to become anything great. And before you knew it, he'd been sold into slavery. And then, and then even while in, in slavery, he was still doing his best to be a good boy. And then he lands in prison. I don't know what thoughts would have gone through Joseph's mind uh, all that time, but I'm sure he would have thought that this is all very unfair. I don't, I don't, but, but, you know, one thing we do know is that Joseph did not lose his faith in the middle of all the trial. We, because we saw that when his master's wife wanted, to, wanted him to commit adultery with him, he ran. If, if he had been thinking, oh, poor me, look what they have done to me. Now I find myself in this place. I'm now a slave, you know, and this woman comes, and then he decided, well, I didn't ask for her to come. Well, this might be my opportunity to become something. I'm going to sleep with her. You know, he would have fallen, but he didn't. He remained faithful to God because he said, how could I do this to God? You know, I, I'm, I've been trusted with, with the house. I cannot touch you. And he still remained very faithful until the very end. I believe that Joseph was being prepared for greater things. He was being challenged. And, there, and in the midst of that challenge, he chose to see things from God's perspective. And when he saw things from God's perspective, it was easy for him to take position. That is, when, when we face challenging situations in our lives, what God would want us to do is to, is to rise up. You know, the Bible says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. You know, in the heavenly places is a place where we see things that carnal eyes don't see. And so from that, pos that vantage position, he was, you know, we are, we are required to see what Christ sees in this situation. And I know, I mean, it, it's normal because, you know, in the course of one's life, one gets, passes through all kinds of trials. I, I don't know what your own specific trial may be, but I can assure you that they are preparing you for greater things. They are preparing you to be able to withstand other challenges that may come. And it is better to see things from God's perspective in, uh, and not, and not, be, not be, um, be blinded 
by, 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 the, by the discipline, because the discipline and the refining of God is so that we can be, 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 be like gold that has been, that's been put in the fire that, that can withstand any, any situation and will come up on tops. That's where God wants us to be. Amen? One other way in which the, we can be blinded is like when we, 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 we find ourselves in the wrong and instead of acknowledging our wrongdoing, maybe, maybe you didn't submit your report on time, maybe you, do, you were late to get to a meeting, or maybe something you were supposed to do, you didn't do it. Instead of acknowledging and saying, okay, yes, I was wrong. I should have, you know, I, I, really, I really was wrong in that. I was remiss. You know, I am sorry. Sometimes the tendency for us is to try and find somebody else to blame. It, it's, uh, it's, it's an age-old trick, you know, it, even from the Garden of Eden, you know, when, uh, when the, the Adam and Eve committed the, the first sin, you know, Adam blamed his wife. The wife blamed uh, the snake, and the snake had no leg to stand upon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, the, 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 the Bible says that if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. In fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of repentance. It's, it's, it's a gospel that's, that's brought to people who recognize their total need and dependence upon God. And, and, and to the recognition of without Christ, we're nothing. But with Christ, we have everything. So in the presence of Christ, we cannot afford to, to pretend or, 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 or not, uh, not be truthful enough to acknowledge that we have done wrong. And the, 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 the Christian league thing to do, the spiritual thing to do, is to acknowledge where we have got it wrong. And then seek the help of God. You know, God will help those who require the help. But if you do not make yourself available for help, you're not going to get any help. Jesus said it to the Pharisees. He said, he has not come to save those who are well. He has come to save those who are sick. So if you do, if you do not present yourself as being needy, you cannot experience the power of God. You know, the, 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 the Lord said to Moses, said, when, when you go to tell the children of Israel, tell them, I am. I am who you, you need me to be. But you cannot, you, you cannot draw from the essence of God. You cannot draw from the, from the, from the largesse of God and, and, the, and the greatness. The Bible says that he is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient, the God who is able, the God who can provide for every situation. You can only draw from him in the, when you acknowledge your need. If you don't have a need, there's nothing for him to fill. But when you come to him empty and, 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 and requiring him to fill you, then he would come and be what you need in that situation. Can I have an amen? amen. Then, the, the one other way in which we can be blinded is when we harbor ought against another, another person, when, when, we are, when, when we are offended and we, we hold on to that, to that offense. Um, we, are, we are supposed to to forgive as easily as 
we, we are offended, actually. We, we pray with prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in, in Luke uh, chapter 11, says that forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, who, who offend us. We expect that God, will, every time we kneel down, we say, Lord, I'm sorry I did this, forgive me. We expect him to forgive us. We also need to release forgiveness. I cannot go into that, the whole of the story now, but you know that story in, uh, in Matthew chapter 25 where the um, unforgiving servant, uh, the, or was it possibly Matthew 18? I don't think it's 25, Matthew 18. The unforgiving servant, when he did not forgive his, his mate who, had, uh, who owed him some money, we're told in that, in that chapter that he, he, he went and put him in prison, whereas he had just been forgiven a much bigger debt. And, you know, the, 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 the situation is that because he, he put his, 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 his other friend in prison, he also was released to tormentors. Not only was he not uh, was, was he put in a prison, but he was also released to tormentors. I had to think how many people we have put in prison because we are holding a cup of offense against them for what they did or didn't do or what, what they said or what they didn't say for, for how they talked to us or for, what, or, for, or, or for whatever, anything else that we, we might be getting offended at, you know? And then I hate to think how many are, are suffering from torment because they refuse to forgive. You know, the, I, I usually say that God is a simple God. You know, he, his ways are very plain. He makes it clear to us what he wants us to do. He says, if you forgive, then you will be forgiven. If you do not forgive, you also will not be forgiven. The, the corollary to not being forgiven is that you are open season for the attack of the enemy. There are lots of people who get into difficulties and have, uh, and, and have problems at work, at home, in relationships with, with things they are wanting to do because they are harboring a, a cup of offense against their brother, against their, their sister. And the minute you release forgiveness to somebody else that offended you, you'll be amazed how every situation would just be dis dismantled. Everything that had stood in your way will be dismantled. And it is important for us as a church of Jesus Christ to recognize that when, when we hold offense against somebody else, we are, pro, we are preventing them from operating in the fullness of what God has for them. And ourselves also, we, we create an open door for, uh, for the enemy to come into our lives. The, one other way in which we, can, we, we are blinded is through fear. We, sometimes because people have been disappointed, and, and, and somebody has, has hurt you before, so you think, okay, I'm not going to let them do that to me ever again. So I'm not going to let them get closer. I'm still going to talk to them, but they're not going to be my friends like before. So we build a barrier between us and, you know, the people that we feel have done, uh, have done us wrong. 
And in that way, you know, we are deceived because, you know, that wall of barrier that we have built against ourselves and our brother and our sister, that wall is going to prevent God from getting through to us. You know, when we pray, we pray to our Father who is in heaven. He's the Father of all of us. Now, if I build a barrier between me and my brother, when we come to pray, and I, I have built that wall, and I say, our Father, whatever my Father is wanting to do, I am not going to be able to, to enjoy it because I have created a barrier, and that, and that grace is not going to be able to flow right through. Are you following me? You know, it, the, 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 what God wants us to do is he wants us to be at peace with all men. He says, as much as lies within your power, be at peace. Live at peace with all men. So when, when it, it is within our power to release the grace of God onto the life of another person. You know, it, it is about, it's about being generous it's about, uh, uh, about humbling ourselves and being generous. I'll give you my own personal experience. A few months ago, maybe like 18 months ago, uh, somebody, somebody was holding a cup of offense against me, and it was, it was over something that for which I was not actually responsible. It was an unfair situation. And, and it, it disturbed me because, you know, everything I did was just was not possible to just get through to the other party. And I, I spoke to the Lord about it. I mean, you, you don't need to convince God about a situation. He knows about it. You don't need to tell me a long story. He, knew, he, knows, he knows about it. You know, sometimes you go to prayer and say, God, you know what so-and-so said. You know what they did. You know how they said. You know, you don't need all of that. He knows already. And the Lord said to me, go and apologize to the person. I am the offended party. I am the one needing apology. The Lord said, go and apologize. And I thought, hmm. You know, God's ways, the Bible says, are different. They are higher than our ways. And so anyway, to cut a long story short, I went to the person and I apologized and, um, and, you know, I, the apology was on the phone, so they did not see me crying. They didn't see my tears and everything. <laughs> I was still having a little bit of pride, you know, somewhere there, you know. But they didn't see all of that. But, but I did apologize because the principle the Lord was showing me was that the, 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 the other party was offended. Whether rightly or wrongly, the fact still remains that they were offended and that I needed to put things right. I needed to help them to be at peace with themselves and at peace with me. You know, I was amazed because I, they were, what happened was that what I had not realized was there was taken away because I did not know that actually I had lost my peace over all this time. I did not know that I, I, there, were, there was something that was kind of holding me bound 
until when I had made peace with them. And when I had gone and apologized, I humbled myself and I apologized. And, I, and, I, and then we made, everything was okay. And you know, there was such a peace. There was just, a, just such a joy and the presence of the Lord that just enveloped me. And I thought, oh, I can, I can, I can deal with this. I can, I can use this, you know. And I said, well, if all it takes is to just go groveling, you know, if to, and they just permanently enjoy the presence of the Lord, I would give anything for this. You know, it, it, is, it is costly for us to, 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 to live in the presence of God. But I, I want to tell you that it is well worth it because you enjoy, you enjoy all of God. And, and so what I'm trying to say is that it is costly. Our Lord Jesus Christ paid a great price for us so that we can be saved and we can be in relationship and fellowship with him and that we can follow his example. One thing that, that's been highlighted to me in the past couple of weeks as we prepared for Easter is the fact that that was done, that dawned on me that when Jesus at the, uh, at the Last Supper, when he gathered the apostles together and, and he, he was... He was uh, celebrating the Passover with them and telling them the significance of, of, the, of the Passover in his blood, all of the apostles who deserted him were all there. He knew that Peter was going to swear that he did not know him. He knew that all the disciples were going to run away. Worse still, he knew Judas was going to give him up. Still, he treated them as if they were royalty. He, he shared the revelation of his heart with them. Worse, you know, he washed their feet. He washed the feet of Judas. I mean, I'm, I was thinking that if it had been me, knowing, <laughs> I, I would just push the feet away. You know, you, you wretched feet, you know, get out of my way. <laughs> but, but you know, the, 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 way, the way of the Lord is totally different from the way of, of God. We, 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 are, we are spirit beings, and we're supposed to walk by the spirit. In, in Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 5, I, I think beginning from verse 14, Paul, Paul was writing and said, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the, the loss of the flesh. I, I believe that is the key to whether we're seeing with the eyes of faith or whether we're seeing with the eyes of the flesh. It says, since for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so you, that you do not do the things that you wish. So there, there's a whole list of things that can show us whether we have offense. I mean, uh, I'm just going to quickly read the, the list to us, you know, when you, when, you, when you have a feeling of hurt in your heart, or anger, outrage, or jealousy, 
Maybe somebody has been chosen for a particular role and you haven't. And therefore, you, you, don't, want to, you don't want to be there. Or, uh, or you, you, you have resentment. A lot of people move from one cell to the other because they've been offended by a fellow cell member or they've been offended by their cell leader or, or, or they move church. People move church. Do you know that? Move from one church to the other because they've been offended because they have not settled the problem. And do you know what? The problems that you did not solve here, when you get over there, you're going to find it there 10 times. <laughs> and then you become a spiritual vagabond. You know, going from one place. Because you're not, you, you're not going to be satisfied. There is, there is a pasture, there is a place to which God has put each and every one of us. And it is in that pasture, it's in that place that we can flourish. If you go out of where God has placed you, you, you run the risk of not fulfilling your destiny. You know, uh, the time is really it's, it's terribly gone. I don't know whether you can bind a clock or something. <laughs> but you know, the story of Saul and David. Saul was given the mandate to root out the Philistines. And, and here came David. A strapping young man, maybe 16, 17 years old, and he came. Everybody just disdained him. What can you do? But he came and he killed Goliath. You would have thought that Saul would see the power and the anointing of God upon David. He, he, but, but Paul, but, but Saul was was so concerned about his own ego, about what people said about him. He said, he said because the women sang, Saul has slain his, ten, his thousands, and, and, and David has slain his 10,000. Well, let him come and have the king, king, let him come and have the throne. And from that day onward, Saul abandoned his mission so to chase out the Philistines and started chasing David. And there was nothing that David could do from that point onwards that, that could be right. There are many people who have left the, 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 the mission that God has committed to them and they are busy chasing, chasing other things, other issues that are irrelevant. And worse still, People who would, with whom you can achieve destiny. You know, I believe that God has called, uh, called people together. If God has put you with a group of people, put you in a church, put you in a cell, God, God knows that everything you need to flourish is there. And therefore, you should do everything possible to live at peace with everyone so that together you can come into the destiny that God has for you. Together you can flourish. Together the power of God can come upon you. Together you can change the city. You can change nations. Together you can bring about the kingdom of God. Together the power of God can be manifested through your lives. You know, the anointing of God is multiplied when the people of God work together in harmony and in unity. The, that is where God functions. God does not function in the place of division and strife. God does not function in the place of gossip and, and backbiting. 
We, we as a people of God, we have to, to see with the eyes of the Spirit and see what God sees. What is God wanting to do in our midst? And everything else that does not conform to that, we root it out. Jesus said, if your eyes offend you, or if your eyes offend you, pluck it out. And you must make up your mind, nothing is going to, de to, to deter me from what God has determined for me to do. Nothing is going to take my destiny from me. I am going to do all that it takes, and I'm going to cooperate with the power of the Holy Spirit so that I, I can fulfill destiny. I want to tell us in this house that there's a destiny of God waiting for us. And we have to work together in harmony and in unity. There are things that we would need to let go of. And offense is one of them. And, you know, it's amazing that if we were prepared to see with the eyes of faith, there are many things that we will let, will let go. Somebody else is given the opportunity ahead of you. So what? There's still tomorrow. There's still the day after. Who knows what God can do? Somebody was impolite to you. So what? Is there a sticker behind your back that says they've been impolite to that person? Move on. Get over it. You see a fault in your leader. Who made you a judge and a ruler over your leader? Our leaders are answerable to God. If you see any fault in your leader, go to God. Pray and intercede for them. Don't stand in judgment. Don't, don't backbite them. Don't do the work of the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. We are intercessors. We ask for the power of God to be released so that things can change. Even for your, for your okay, we are allowed to, to, to correct our brothers and sisters, but even in correcting your brother and sister, it's not in pointing a judgmental finger. It's with humility, knowing that you yourself, you are also capable of such things, and maybe you're still doing it anyway. And, you, and, and with, with, with humility and grace, because the aim is not to destroy, the aim is to bring restoration so that together we can inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Let's just stand. Let's just stand. I believe that I may, I may have touched some points Saw points, I hope, today, and, and it is a time to do business with God uh, because, you know, after a message like this, we cannot just walk away. We, it's, it's important for us to make a response, and I, I really want to challenge everyone here today to let the Holy Spirit shine his light into your heart, into your situation, and to show you if you are harboring offense against anybody, 
if you've had a blind spot, maybe you cannot see any good in somebody else because you have been offended about them, this is the time to release them into the grace of God. It is just an act of decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a decision. You, you, you choose to forgive, and the grace to do it is given to you by our Father God, because he is a forgiving God. I, I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you to, today and to, to, to let God know that you are sorry that you have been harboring offense against your brother and, and, to, and to let God know that you want to release forgiveness to them. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe you have been unjustifiably treated. Maybe that you've been, you've been, you've been, you suffered from a position of injustice. God knows. God allowed it. God is strengthening you. God is preparing you for greater things. Tell God that you did not see things that way. But today, you want God to take total control and you want to submit yourself to his leading and to his discipline. The Bible says that only illegitimate children are not corrected. But if we are, we are, we are, we are legitimate children, then God would correct us. He would fine hone us. Tell God that you want to allow him to totally fine hone you so that you can be the best that you can be and so that his grace can be released in your life. Maybe you, you're one of those who have been moving from one cell to the other or even from one church to the other. Tell God that you want to be at peace with all men. And just say, say to God, you're sorry. Just say, sorry, because Jesus Christ died so that our sins may be forgiven. And tell him that you want to turn a new page and you, and you want to do things according to his will. Hallelujah. I want to know for whom I'm praying. If this prayer is for you and you're, you're, you're praying any one of those points that I've listed out, I want you to just lift up your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. And, and, then, and then you can put it down again. Let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary to deliver us from our sins and to reconcile us to you. And thank you that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. And Father, yes, we want to confess that we have allowed offense to blind our eyes, to becloud our judgment, and to prevent us from moving into the destiny that you have for us. We had not 
fully understood. Today, Lord God, we want to turn a new page and we want to release your forgiveness to all those who have hurt us, Lord God. We want to pray for them. You said we should pray for those who despitefully use us. Even as Jesus prayed for those who persecuted him, those who killed him on the cross, Jesus prayed for them. Even so, Lord God, we follow the footsteps of the master and we ask, oh God, that you would have mercy on all those who have despitefully used us, that you would turn, and, uh, turn their hearts towards you, that you would change them, and that, Lord God, you would reveal to them that you are the Lord and cause them to change, that the glory may be yours and yours alone. And, Lord God, we pray that you will heal our hearts, Lord God, where we have been unjustly treated, where we have been pained, where we have been hurt, Lord God, we ask that you bring your healing power to touch us, oh God. We, we open ourselves up, oh God. We say we are not too proud to acknowledge that we have been hurt. Lord God, we, we, we just say, Lord God, where we are, we open our hearts to you this afternoon. We ask that your balm, the balm of Gilead, will be poured out into our hearts, oh God. And you bring healing, you bring restoration, you, you bring relief to our lives, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray that you fill our hearts with love. Love for you, love for our fellow men. The love that, is, that, that forgives easily and readily. The love that does not take, uh, uh, keep a record of wrong. The, a, a love that sees the potential in other people and wants the best for them. Lord, we cannot do this on our own, but with you, oh God, we know that everything is possible. That is why we are coming to you, oh God, and we are opening ourselves to you. We say, Lord God, our hearts are open to you today. Fill us, oh God, with your goodness. Amen. Let your grace be multiplied in our lives. Amen. Come and glorify yourself in our situation. Cause us to be a people, oh God, that puts your glory above personal preferences. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that in our assemblies that your love will be so palpable that it will touch the hearts of those come to join us. Father, we thank you because we know even as we have prayed, you have heard us. And we know that you will do more than we can ask. We give you praise, oh God. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap of him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anybody wants more prayer afterwards, we'll be out here and uh, we'll be happy to pray with you. God bless you.